Last Sunday was the feast of the baptism of our Lord. And in the sermon I preached, I wondered about the different ways a person might tell their life story and what would be the best way to start if there is a best way. I focused on the opening lines that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Matthew, the words, let it be so, consenting to be baptized. And I suggested that baptism is the heart of our identity and the key to our life story as Christians. But the thing about good stories is that they are usually followed up by a sequel. And I need to confess that I am not big into sequels uh, because most of them aren't any good, really. I mean, really, come on, let's be real. Most sequels just aren't, aren't any good. Okay, maybe The Empire Strikes Back in The Godfather Part 2, but aside from those two... To, okay, Toy Story 3 um, was, was pretty good. That was pretty good, too. But other than that, they're, they're pretty much a big disappointment. Um, and so I got a little nervous when I was preparing for today's sermon and turned to the gospel lesson, only to realize that it's Jesus' baptism, the sequel. Instead of moving us along to the next chapter in the life of Jesus, the lectionary has given us the baptism of our Lord, part two, as directed and produced by St. John. Thankfully, though, this sequel does not disappoint. Uh, And in the same way that having two eyes deepens the field of our vision, having two baptism narratives right next to one another adds a depth dimension to the story. Today's sermon, then, is kind of like a sequel to last week's. Not as good, mind you, but a sincere attempt nonetheless. In the Gospel of Matthew, the first words Jesus speaks are, let it be. In the Gospel of John, among his first words are, come and see. In both instances, the context is his baptism in the river Jordan. John the Baptist has made a name for himself, right? He has disciples of his own who are following after him. It seems as if John may not have recognized Jesus at first, or at least that he didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah until he baptized him. But when he finally does see Jesus for who he really is, he calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John's own disciples hear him say that, and they recognize that the person that they should be following is not John the Baptist, it's Jesus. So they follow him. They want to be near Jesus, walking on the path that he walks, staying in the places that he stays. Where are you staying, Rabbi? They want to know. So Jesus invites them. Come and see, he says. Jesus has emerged from the baptismal waters, and then people start to follow after him and walk in his way. His disciples follow him for a period of years. They eat and drink with him. They heal alongside him. They pray with him. They cast out demons with him. On the road, they discover that his way is the way of life. 
but it's also the way of great danger because it means taking the side not of the rich and powerful, but the side of the poor, the lowly, the meek. Following after Jesus meant that in order to find their life, his disciples had to be willing to lose it. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, writes about this in his short book, Being Christian. In his chapter on baptism, Williams writes this, The path of the baptized person is a dangerous one. Perhaps baptism really ought to have some health warnings attached to it. If you take this step, if you go into these depths, it will be transfiguring, exhilarating, life-giving, and very, very dangerous. To be baptized into Jesus is not to be in what the world thinks of as a safe place. Jesus' first disciples discovered that in the Gospels. And his disciples have gone on discovering it ever since. It's a marvelous little book, Being Christian, by Rowan Williams. And I suggest it to you if you have not uh, encountered it before. A marvelous illustration of Christian discipleship that Williams is speaking about can be found in a film that was recently released, but not very widely well known. It was actually at the County Theater a few weeks ago. It's called A Hidden Life, directed by one of the greatest filmmakers alive today, Terrence Malick. The film is about the life of an Austrian farmer named Franz Jägerstatter, who witnessed the spread of Nazism in the small village where he lived, and he was eventually conscripted to fight in the war. All soldiers were required to swear an oath of allegiance to Hitler, but Jägerstatter would not do it because it went against everything in his conscience as a Catholic Christian. He even struggles with the idea of speaking the words but inwardly thinking something else and can't bring himself to do it. And so he's sent to jail and eventually he's martyred. The film has as its backdrop the extraordinary beauty of the Austrian countryside all the while showing the agony that Jägerstatter went through in making this decision and the many chances that he had along the way just to give it up and swear the oath. The film shows that the life of Christian discipleship is costly, to use Dietrich Bonhoeffer's phrase. For Franz Jägerstatter, it cost him his family, his friends, his standing in his community. Even the priests and the bishops of the church turned their backs on him. Jägerstadter decided to follow Jesus. Steps that he took, which were transfiguring, exhilarating, life-giving, and very, very dangerous. Jesus says, come and see. Franz Jägerstadter followed. He was beatified by Pope Benedict in 2007. Early on in the film, there's a scene in a church where an elderly man is painting various images, and he's mostly making paintings of, of the image of Christ. And as he's painting, he talks about the difference between his images 
and the reality of who Jesus was. And he gives a kind of review of his work. We painters create admirers, he says. We do not create followers. Christ's life is a demand. We don't want to be reminded of it. He looks up at an image of Jesus that he's made and says, I paint their comfortable Christ with a halo on his head. Someday I'll paint the true Christ. The task of the Christian life is to paint the true Christ by the shape of our lives. And in doing so, become not merely admirers of Christ, but followers. We do that through prayer, through confessing our sins, and through proclaiming the good news of Christ's love for the whole world. We do it through loving our neighbors as ourselves and by respecting the dignity of every human being. Sometimes painting a true Christ will be risky and will bring us into conflict with worldly authority as it did for Franz Jägerstadter. But being Christian means believing that the way of Jesus is the way of life, that his way is not for admiring, but for following. In the words of the well-known spiritual, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Jesus extends the invitation. Come and see. We are invited. We're not coerced. We're not forced or guilted or shamed. We are invited. The invitation is to follow him that we may have life and have it to the full. And as with every invitation, we get a choice. What will we say? Let us follow the call as a baptized people, as though today was the day of our baptism, as though we were still dripping wet with its waters. And let us paint a true Christ through the lives that we lead as we walk in his way to the glory of his name. No turning back. No turning back. Amen.